This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm excited about um, today and launching into something new. I think I'm very excited about what God is doing um, in the earth right now. There's some good stuff happening, and it's very easy to get um, caught up in all the other stuff. And I think sometimes we spend too much time looking and listening to the wrong stuff. And there's so much more value when we get focused and we actually connect with him and find out what he's doing. And so I'm looking forward to this. What I want to do is um, I want to get into a new series, which is a, a lot deeper and begins to, in a tangible and practical way, begin to explore the spirit realm and the spirit arena. We live in the natural realm and we're very comfortable and acclimatized with that, but Everything that happens with God and God himself is going to be found in the spirit realm. And there's some very big differences between the two. And as we begin to explore that, what I'm really believing is that it'll introduce you to a level of relationship with him, which is very, very different to anything we've had before. I believe one of the core things God is doing right at the moment is drawing us into a deep and more intimate relationship with him. And I know we talk about stuff like that, but we don't always talk about well, what does that mean and how does that translate into something that I can walk into. And so I'm trying to keep this as practical as possible. Um, what I want to do today is I'm going to do a little bit of a setup and then we're going to do a Bible study. Um, it just, I, I feel as though God really wants me to do that because I want for you to see some stuff in Scripture and sometimes I take a scripture and I, I kind of begin to expound on that and talk about that a little bit. But I'm feeling what he wants me to do right at the moment is use that as the groundwork and jump from, from verse to verse with that. So that's what we're going to do. My encouragement to you with, with where we're going is this. Don't get stuck in what you know. All of us have got a history of revelation and understanding that we've got and we, we've developed over time in our relationship with God. But the problem with it is very often people have a tendency to get stuck in what they know and they don't want to embrace something new. And the minute we do that, we form something called a denomination. All denominations started off with something really good and great understanding. But the thing is, they kept their revelation where they were because they believed that they had a monopoly on truth. And so they didn't want to go beyond that. Remember, what we know about God is so limited. And so always leave the door open for him, the Holy Spirit, to introduce you to new truth. This is not about man's truth. And so part of the reason that I really want to use scripture is because I'm encouraging you to take note of the scriptures. Get your phone out, put the scriptures down. Use this week to go and explore this stuff. And what you may find is some of the stuff that you've known is absolutely right. And he's sitting saying, but now let me just show you a whole new dimension to it. Let me elevate you to a new level, which will really excite you and liberate your life. And there might be some times where you have a look at some stuff and you think, good grief, I've believed this my whole life, but really it's an inhibiting belief because really it's not right. I was taught it, but it really isn't right. And sometimes people wobble a little bit about that because they think if they hear something that's um, in opposition to what their belief is, it must be heresy. Just might be that I'm wrong. So I'm giving you scripture because I want you to go and explore it. And I want you to get with the Holy Spirit. And if he leads you in a different direction, glory be, he'll reveal it to me and I'll repent and we'll all move on. How about that? The good, the good thing about God is there's never, no mistakes are fatal with him. 
What do you know about God? What do you know about God? That's a good thing. Well, it's actually rhetorical. I don't want you to answer. <laughs> I am going somewhere with this. You've you got to stick with me because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build. What I want to do over the next series is I'm going to start off grassroots level and we're going to build upwards because uh, it, it just becomes really important. And so sometimes it's hard to go and give somebody something because they don't have this foundation. There's a hole here. So it's important for me to build upwards. Um, what do you know about God? Everything that we know about God is stuff that we were introduced to him with in the natural. That's not a bad thing. That's very often what ends up happening. We heard about God. We learned about God. And a lot of what we, we discovered about God may actually be perfectly right and correct. The challenge with it is, to what degree have we done anything with that? You see, the thing with it is, we get into church and what we end up doing is, whether it be in church or whether it be reading books or whether it be going to seminars, or we put ourselves in different environments where what we do is we feed out our knowledge of God. We want to amass this big knowledge of God. And the thing is, our knowledge of God, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm very thankful for the fact that we have great people who have deep understanding and theologians who, who open the, the word to us from a, an understanding perspective. The thing is, our understanding and our knowledge could be absolutely correct as far as it's being scripturally sound. It could be completely orthodox. The thing about it is this. I think that's where the church is. And they've never stepped beyond that. There's too much of the church that has a lot of knowledge and because we're knowledgeable about a lot of stuff, we think that we actually have intimacy and relationship, but we're just stuck in knowledge. The thing is, to a very large extent, or a fair extent, I think the body of Christ, in terms of our, our, our knowledge of the indwelling of the presence of God inside of us and God's power, is not what the Word teaches it isn't at that same limit. It hasn't reached the point that, that Scripture speaks about. And it's deficient in terms of meeting God's plan for our life. Two of the key components that I really want to talk about in, in, in this series is the fact that God has made a plan to have relationship with us, not only to relate to us, but to come and live on the inside of who we are, the indwelling presence of who God is. The other thing that I want to speak about is I want to speak about the aspect of power. It's not separate to God. It's part of who he is. The challenge that we have very often is that we think our issue is that we don't have enough knowledge. But really our issue is we don't have power. We don't have a church. I'm talking about a body. We don't have a church body that's deficient in knowledge. A lot of them have knowledge, and a lot of the knowledge is very sound. The challenge with it is we don't have power. Knowledge is one thing. Power is so much more different. That doesn't, that wasn't very good English. It's very different. You can read all you want about a sunset, and you can have a lot of knowledge about a sunset, but if you sit down one day and you actually watch a sunset, it's completely different. People can tell you and give you as much knowledge as you want about French cooking. The fact of the matter is, you don't know anything about French cooking until you taste it. 
Knowledge is one thing, but power is something completely different. Power is different. Power becomes important because there is not one result that happens in the kingdom that's not attributable to power and not knowledge. What makes the, the, the kingdom profound and what gives it influence is power, not knowledge. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, for the kingdom is not in word, but in power. In power. What he's saying is, everything that God came to do and everything that he wants to do in our life is going to be driven through power, expressions of power. Life is an expression of power. You were born again because of power. Without power, you could never be born again. You would know about what it was to be born again, but you could never step into the experience. Being delivered of something is all about power. Using God's power and influence to change your circumstances and situation is power is the essential component to what the kingdom is. What he's talking about is he's sitting saying, I'm looking for myself to have influence in you and in your world. I don't want you to know about it and simply live in that dimension. I need for you to elevate your knowledge to take it to a place of power and encounter. Amen. It's about experiencing God. Right. It's about experiencing God. Power is the ability to influence outcomes. When you met God and he decided to make you a new creation, his power came in to influence who you are and made you a brand new creation in Christ. As a result of his power, old things passed away and everything became brand new. It was power that did it. It's not power separate from him. It's power which is part of who he is. And so it begins to introduce us to an idea and a concept that is so fundamental in what we're going to speak about. And it's about birth. Why is birthing important? Because birthing speaks about life. The things that come from the kingdom of God are born in us. God doesn't leave it up to us to make it happen. Why? Because I don't have the power to get them make it happen. You can't get yourself born again. Works will never get you there. Why? Because it has no life. It's got no power. What he's saying is, unless things are born of me, what ends up happening is we end up as religious. We're taking our knowledge and we're trying to formulate and put together a whole structure that we live within, that we try and make happen, that looks really good, but it's got no life. It's got no power. It's all based on knowledge. So he's inviting into some, us into something so much deeper than that. Power. Anytime circumstances and situations in your life are changed and transformed because they are conforming to the will of God, it's as a result of power. Knowledge is quite useless as an input to affect your destiny. Why? Because it has no power. You can live with knowledge, but you can't make changes. Without power, I can't change outputs. I can't change myself. I can't change situations. I live with who I am and I try to manage it and I try to navigate my life th through the, the, the realities that I have with a God that's distant somewhere and I hope something happens. Because I'm living from, the, from knowledge. I'm well-intentioned. But I've never come to the place where I've developed intimate relationship with the presence of the Holy Spirit within me.
and I'm allowed him to have influence in that space. Most Christians find themselves at a place where their Christianity isn't where they really want it to be and their destiny is compromised because they have a lot of knowledge but no power. We can't affect where we're going. We wish things were different. We're trying to find God in the situation. But nothing happens. I live with the knowledge of God, not the power of God. Presence. It's always interesting to me when we do praise and worship and I listen to what happens because so much of the stuff, I always feel good when so much of what happens as a prelude to me speaking kind of lines with, up with what I'm doing. Because then I'm like, thank goodness I didn't miss this one. So I want to speak in large part and start off at, at the beginning with the principles of, that, that affect things like the indwelling presence and the power. Here's principle number one. Principle number one. You're going to find it in Ezekiel. Chapter 36 and verse 26 and 27. I'm just going to paraphrase it because I, I don't want all of it. But I, what I want you to get is this. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. From the moment you decided to get born again, something profound happened. And in that was a two-part action. There was an in-working and an in-dwelling. Both of those things happen simultaneously, but we need to understand them because it becomes really important. In-working was when I came to him and I said, you know what? I recognize you, Jesus, as Savior, and I'm asking you to come into me and make me a brand new creation. And in that moment, the Spirit of God comes in and changes you, and old things pass away, and I become a brand new creation. I get washed in the blood of Jesus. I get made righteous. I become a son of God in that time. That's exactly what happens in that moment. There was an in-working in me. Something changed in me. Something changed about who I am. I am a brand new creation. It's an in-working. God did something inside of me. But he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just do an in-working, but he does an in-dwelling. He says, once I've made a new spirit of you, once I've made you righteous, all of a sudden I can have a look at you and I can see that's an abode. That's a place where I can come and inhabit. And he puts his spirit inside of me. As a born again person, I have the spirit and the person of God living on the inside of who I am. I don't only have an in working, but I have an indwelling. An in-working and an in-dwelling. The thing about it is this. The in-working liberates you or frees you from your past. But the in-dwelling is the key to your future. The in-working got rid of all of that sin and everything that defined you and your past. And it was as a result of the blood of Jesus, he took care of it. It's all taken care of it. It's, all, it's done away with. God remembers your past no more. 
It's finished. Your past is sorted out. We celebrate the fact that he did something wonderful in us. And we celebrate the fact that we're a brand new creation. We celebrate the fact that all of that stuff that defined us, that was outside of his will, all of that, it's all gone. But don't live in that place. Too many Christians, all they ever talk about is the fact that I'm a new creation. I'm glad you're a new creation. I'm celebrating the fact that you're a new creation. But if you want to know what your future looks like, it's not because you're a new creation. It's because the Spirit of God has moved on the inside of you. The Spirit of God is going to do something in my life that is so transformational that it's going to change what my future looks like. And it starts with you. It starts with you. Understand this. The Spirit of God on the inside of me, of me is distinct from me. It's not my spirit. It's the person of Christ inside of me that relates to my spirit. I know you're saying, I'm not sure about that. I knew I could read your mind. So I'm going to read it to you. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, the Spirit of Christ on the inside of me, bears witness with my spirit that we are children of God. What is it saying? It starts to invite me into something called relationship. His spirit communing with my spirit. I'm learning the fact that I don't only have the very presence of God on the inside of me, but I'm beginning to learn that I have the opportunity to be able to relate to him. I'm, I'll touch on this. I can't get into this now. I'll, I'll do this in... in weeks to come. But understand this, part of the reason that we struggle sometimes with the spirit realm as opposed to the natural is because they operate in very on very different principles. In the natural realm, we're always looking for understanding. We want knowledge. Give me knowledge because in the, in the natural realm, if I know how something works, I can make it happen. But in the spirit, it's not about knowledge. It's about belief. It's about belief. And the thing about belief is it operates completely differently to knowledge. Because belief is something that opens the door to my heart and allows a, a truth and a reality to come in and transform me. It is an invitation to life. In the natural realm, we want to take our knowledge and we want to do something with it. We want to take what we have in our understanding. We want to apply it. We want to be functional people. We want to be people who are productive because we're natural. But it doesn't work that way in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, it's not about your productivity. It's about faith. So I'm beginning to understand the fact that it's not enough just to understand that there's natural and spiritual, but I have to understand the principles that govern those two realms and understand how to operate in those different realms. Because if I think I'm trying to be spiritual and I'm trying to get knowledge, God's like, you're missing it. I'm not trying to feed your knowledge. I'm trying to inform your beliefs. So he's trying to do something on the inside of us. He wants to relate to us and he wants to come to the us to come to the place where we not only recognize him, but we become sensitive to his influence in my life. His promptings, the way he communicates with me. He's wanting to do something in you that will completely change who you are because when you become 
conformed to the image of Christ, you will live very differently to what you live right now. Amen. David, in Psalms 51, says, Create in me a new heart, O God, and let your spirit fill me. What is he doing? He was recognizing what Ezekiel was talking about. He was sitting saying, God, you know what? Who I am and what I'm all about can't walk into what it is that you have for my life. I can't realize my destiny and my purpose. I can't walk into my future that you've designed for me as long as I'm the one who's running the show. What he's saying is clean me out and put your spirit on the inside of me. Make me somebody new. Make me somebody who's built out of your substance, your nature. Is it on the inside of me? Because when it did that, it took a little boy and he could walk onto the battlefield with a giant in front of the armies. Not because he had a sling, it was irrelevant. It was because I have the Spirit of God on the inside of me, and greater is he that is in me than he that's on the battlefield. He's wanting to birth something in you. You will never be the same. Never be the same. When you begin to build that relationship and allow that influence to take place. Galatians 5 verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's interesting. What is he saying? He's saying, now that you've become aware of the fact that you are a spiritual being, now that you have the life of God on the inside of you, now that you're in a place where I have moved into the neighborhood with you, I want for you to live differently. I want for you to be aware of the fact that the very essence of who you are is spiritual, not natural. And as a result of that, that spirit being, I'm looking for you to build an intimate connection with me, spirit to spirit. What's born of spirit is spirit. Allow me and the who I am on the inside of you to give definition to who you are. It's not enough to sit and say, I'm in the spirit. Glad you got born again. Glad the spirit of God moved on the inside of you, but it was put in there for action. Now that I live in the spirit, and, and I, now that I live in the spirit, I'm alive as a result of what he's done for me. Let me begin to walk in that same place. What does it look like to take the reality of God on the inside of me and give expression to it in my life so that it changes who I am and it begins to affect who I am and begins to have influence in my world? If you live in it, begin to walk in it. It's an invitation. What he's saying to us is he's introducing a principle called sanctification. Sanctification. It's all about this. When you got born again, you were made righteous. You are made son of God. The fact of the matter is sometimes we end up with a little bit of a challenge because we come to the place where we recognize the fact that I'm born again. I'm happy that I've been made brand new. I'm happy that I have the God on the inside of me. But I still think like I thought yesterday. And I'm not completely brand new. I did a few things that I shouldn't be doing. And I think to myself, well, what happened here? 
hold on a second. I've just become a brand new creation, but my life's really, it's my, my living and ex my experiential reality isn't up to parts, not up to scratch. Why? Because who you are has not been transformed and made new by the life that's on the inside of you. Let me explain to you what it means, and I'm going to get into this. But I, I want to create a reality for you so that you have a point of reference for where we're going. Um, I am born of Joan and Barry. Joan and Barry came together. Voila! <laughs> I look like my mom in certain ways. I have my dad's eyes. I was born of them. And when you look at me, you might sit and say, he looks lubby. You see him. But the thing is, although you see me and you recognize me, you don't know me until I take who I am and begin to do some stuff. When I begin to speak, when I begin to act, when you see me in different circumstances and situations, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't just recognize who he is, but I know who he is because of what came out of him. So the same thing happens in the spirit realm. When you get born of God, what ends up happening is your, phys your, your, your spiritual form, like your, your physical form, you have a spiritual form, which is born of God. You're a child of God. The thing about it is you still have a will. We have something at our very essence called our personality, our individuality. Those characteristics and those cumulative um, uh, qualities that are unique to who I am, they make me me. Some are a bit quirky, some are a bit odd, some are rather interesting, some are fascinating, some, it's all a little package that makes me me. Who am I? Where does it live? It doesn't live in your brain. Your brain is an organ designed for all of your senses to feed into your brain. And your brain takes that information and gives it to your mind. Why is your mind important? Because it's the very essence and the core of your spirit. It's that thing that gives you definition to who you are. You're not just a spirit being. You are a spirit being who is unique. You don't just one day you're going to go out from your body and be like, well, there's just another spirit like all the others. You will be you. What makes you, you? Not the fact that you have a spirit body, but the fact that you have a mind. That's why, and I'll get into it now, God is so preoccupied with your mind. Why? Because your mind is that place that gives definition to who your personality is. He refers to it as the mind, and he talks about it as the heart. And I'll talk to you in a moment why that's important. The thing is, what he needs for you to understand is this. You, with regularity, are giving definition to who you are. And when you understand what informs your personality, your character, who you are, and how to do that, it means that you're empowered to be aware of who you're becoming. Amen. Why is he talking to us? Oh, okay. Understand those two distinctions, but you get it. You understand what the mind is. The mind is the essence of your spirit. So when you die and your spirit man goes out, it is your personality of who you will be. 
When you meet God, that's who's meeting God, your mind, not your brain. Your mind is spiritual. So why is that important? It's important for us to understand it because Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, it says, if then you were raised with Christ, who's born again? Okay, three of us. (laughs) The three who were raised with Christ, okay? He's talking to you. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. He's talking about authority. Anytime he's talking about the right hand of God, what he's saying is, seek those things which have to do with authority and influence. Set your... What you know what he's saying to you? I'm interested in who you're becoming. He's saying the organ, the part of you that gives definition to who you are is your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Um, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. This is a similar verse that says the same thing. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What it's saying is understand who you are. Your mind is spiritual, but it can change. It's not locked into one thing. You can become something different. The reason that God wants you to renew your mind is because his spirit moved in. And once his spirit moved in, he wanted to take the things of God and impart them to you. Why is he doing that? Because the person that you were when he got born again is not the person that he wants you to be. And the person that you used to be yesterday is not the person that he wants you to be tomorrow. So he's got to take some substance and give you some substance so that he can create something new. What is he giving you? His nature. His nature. That which is born of, ah, I'm jamming. He's giving you his nature. Why? Because when I take who he is and I begin to build my life on who he is, I become a different person. It's not because I'm trying to live like Christ. It's because I'm opening up my mind, the essence of who I am. And I'm sitting saying, I'm going to be on my guard from now on as a result of coming into union with you. And because you and I share an intimate relationship, I'm not going to go to the world to let it seed who I am. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because I'm becoming somebody. And who I'm becoming, I want you to inform. Anytime you go to the world, and it's so easy because we live in the natural, everybody's got an opinion about everything. Do you let it in? Watch the news. Do you let it in? Everybody's ideas about how you should live and what you should be and how you feel, and it's all outside of there. And God's sitting saying, don't be conformed to any of that because I want you to be a person of destiny. And a person of destiny is somebody who is shaped and is born of God, born of his nature. Why? Because when his nature comes in and changes me, I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me that I cannot do on my own. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Just I'll get back to that one. Just put that on the side burner there. When Christ, who is our life, 
When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. People take that verse and they talk about it as when Jesus comes back. That's not the context. The context of that verse is you've been born again. You have the life of God on the inside of you. You're no longer the person that you used to be. Opportunities exist for you right now to be able to open the essence of who you are and allow the spirit of God there to come in and give redefinition to who you are. And when the things of Christ are born in you, what ends up happening is Christ begins to appear in me. And when Christ appears in you, you will also appear with him in glory. What it's saying is when you conform to the image of Christ and you become a different person, you will live differently. And you'll say, how did I slay the giant? It wasn't because of me. It's because he was alive on the inside of me. I don't get to slay the the giant because I'm enthusiastic. I don't get to slay the giant because I know about how to do things of God. I don't get to slay the giant by following a formula and going down and picking up my five pebbles and taking my slingshot. I get to slay the giant because he's born on the inside of me and I live from a different place. Issues of faith, issues of confidence, issues of trust. Those are not issues that have to do with knowledge. They have issues that have to do with identity. If you're not confident, there's no point telling a person you must be. It's not going to help. It's born in them. It's born in them. And unless that is taken care of and replaced with something new, you will always live from being insecure. And I'm not confident. It's an identity issue. That's why God is interested in your mind. He's interested in who you are. Those characteristics that uniquely define who you are. And what he's saying is, if you let me into that place, it'll completely change who you are. Good Lord, how does the time fly by like this? John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And what does he say? He says, I, all these things that you're doing, how do I do that stuff? And what does he say to him? And that's really interesting. Go and read this. Because he says two things to him. The first thing he says is this. Unless you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about the first phase, becoming a born again creation and allowing the spirit to make me a brand new person and for the spirit to come on the inside of me. But he carries on in his conversation, and a little bit later, he says to Nicodemus, unless you get born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. What is he saying? Born again allows you to go through the indwelling and the inworking. But the thing is, once the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, He wants to do something. He wants to transform your mind into the image of Christ. So what is He doing? He's sitting saying He's going to take the things of God and He's going to invest them in you. What is it? When He talks about the word, uh, the water, He's talking about the word. Water is for the word and the spirit. What is he saying? The spirit is going to take God's word and he's going to implant them on the inside of you. And when it does that, some things are going to happen in your life. All of a sudden, what's going to start germinating on the inside of your life is the nature of God. Sorry, I've got to hurry a little bit because I I do have to get there. 
He wants to make us partakers of his divine nature. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Who called us by glory and virtue. Through which he has given us precious and magnificent promises. So that through these you might become partakers of the divine nature. What is he saying? Every time the spirit is going to take part of who he is, he's going to take an aspect of his nature and he's going to give it to you. He's giving you an offering. He's giving you a precious promise of who he is. And he's saying, if you partake of that, you will become a partaker of the divine nature. If you allow me to take that part of who I am and you allow me to seed your life with it, you've just become a partaker of the divine nature. I'm allowing him to do something on the inside of me that's changing me, that's changing me. This is how I get to know God. This is how I get to have relationship with God. This is how I begin to let God work in my life so that he changes me and transforms me from the inside out. And so now we get to dying to self. Why is dying to self important? Dying to self is important because the sower sows the word. So there are only two sowers. It's either the Holy Spirit or you. Only two of you. God talks about our heart and the significance of our heart. He talks about the... Um, let me go. I'll jump there next. Um, the parable of the sower. Why is he talking about the parable of the sower? What, why is that so important? Because he links it to our heart. And what he's saying is, the sower sows the word. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in that context. He's saying, the, the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you is wanting to take the things of God and he's wanting to seed your heart with them. Seeds are important because seeds germinate and seeds give evidence to their nature. Whatever the seed is, is going to give evidence to its nature. So as long as the spirit of Christ on the inside of me is seeding my heart, there's some good stuff going in there. The problem with it is he's not always the only one seeding. Sometimes I'm the seeder. And when I'm the seeder, what ends up happening is my seed doesn't come from spirit. My seed comes from natural. I go to my senses and my feelings and my world and my understanding and my knowledge. And what ends up happening is I take this stuff from outside here and I begin to seed. So good. Come on. Unless I'm prepared to die. You see, the thing is, understand this. And as you journey through life, you're always going to come to places with regularity where it's going to be a toss-up between who gets to seed, God or you. And should I tell you something? You get to decide. But you will bear the repercussions of whoever seeds. You get to decide. I love you. I love you. I'm not lovable. Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I feel? Do you know the stuff? Do you know the thoughts that happen on the inside of me? I'm wanting to seed. And he's wanting to seed. And in that place, who's going to seed? Are you prepared to die? 
Because if you're not prepared to die, I'm going to take all of those things of hate and rejection and insecurity and hating of self. And, and I'm going to seed unless I'm prepared to die. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Taking up your cross is not being a martyr for the cause. It has to do with your heart and your identity. It has to do with the course of your life. It has to go with the destiny that you're going. What he's sitting saying is, in that space, who's going to seed your heart? And unless you're prepared to die to self, you will seed it. I don't understand why my future looks like it does, because I love God. I just wish he was more intimate with me. I wish I could get to that place. I want all of these things from God, but I just won't let him seed. As long as I'm seeding, I put myself at a place where I exclude his influence in my identity. I wonder why I'm insecure. I wonder why I hate myself. I wonder why I struggle so much with with aspects of self-judgment. Why? Because you've been seeding. Stop! There's not a deep revelation here. Stop. Die. Why? I'm dying for myself. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies and abides alone. But if you prepare to die, he will take of himself and he will seed in you. And what will end up happening is you will move to a place where it's like, you know what? I just love who I am. You know why? Not because I'm so grand and so special, but because he told me he loves me and it's real. I'm not being artificial about it. I'm not trying to do something from knowledge. It's because life has been birthed inside of me. It's taken root. It's germinated. It's growing. I look after it and I protect it. And I'll talk about that in another one. But I'm letting him seed. I become a different person. That's why your heart is important. Your identity is important. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified. I'm dead. But I'm alive. But I'm not living. Christ lives in me. Look at the next part. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Stop for a minute. Now think about this. What is he doing? He's changing your identity. He's changing your identity. I'm becoming something different. He's taking who he of who he is. He's taking word and spirit and he's seeding my life. Faith comes by. And so maybe this is the reality. Faith is an identity issue, not a circumstantial issue. We want to find God in our need, and God's looking for us in our identity. 
I want to go over here and sit and say, God, fix this. God, make this different. God, And you know what? Because he's a merciful God, there are times where he will do that. But there comes a time where he's like, what? Not because he doesn't want to do it for you, but because the thing is, as long as he does that, you never get to the place where I live by grace as opposed to mercy. He stops it because he says, I want to do it, but that's not my ideal way. I want you to become somebody different. We want to meet him in our situations. We want to meet God in our challenges. We want to meet God in our needs. We're looking for him to do stuff. We want the fruit. But we haven't focused on the root. Our focus as natural people is, where is the fruit of what God has for me? Bless me. Provide for me. Protect me. I'm looking for all the fruit. And God's like, um, hello. How about a seed first? We want the fruit. He wants the root. You get the fruit when you plant the seed. The seed has got to grow. And it takes time. The thing about it is when we speak about faith, what we're talking about is what if it's not about me trying to fix a situation, but what is it about? what if it's about me becoming somebody different who lives from something different and lives in the expectation of change and transformation? What about if faith is an identity issue where the very substance of who I am, my nature has been built of his substance, his nature on the inside of me. It creates a new foundation to who I am, a new foundation to live, to live off of. And I live in the expectation of calling those things that be not as though they are. Why? Because it's on the inside of me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the, of the Son of God. I live by the Son of God's nature imparted to me, redefining who I am. Look at Abram. God meets Abram and says, you know what? I want to do something in your life. And what does he do? He makes him a promise. But the promise was to change who he was. It was to change his identity. He moved from being Abram to being Abraham, the father of many nations. His identity shifted and changed. He became a father long before he ever had a son. 20 years, in fact. What sustained him through 20 years? Gee, I hope something happens like God once told me something. What sustained him? was the fact that it's who I am. I am a father. I'm looking for what it is that is going to take of who I am and, and you, explode it into the, the generations to come. He lived from who he was. God's word to him came to change his identity. And when he lived from that identity, what ended up happening is it introduced a future for him and a destiny for him that was designed and authored by the life that was on the inside of him. Just give me a few more minutes. She need to go. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now the word thinketh there is calculate. What it's saying is this. Who you are, your mind, is continually calculating who you are. How do you see yourself? 
I see myself as loved by God. I see myself as rotten and terrible. How I see myself is going to in large part affect how I deal with my life. Can you love me? No, because I'm a rotten person. I'm calculating all the time. I can't give you what you need because I'm not good. I'm not worthy. I'm not, I, I don't have on the inside of me the goodness that you need. So you know what the thing is? I'm calculating who I am and it becomes a vicious circle because it reaffirms my identity. <clears throat> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ah, oh, I, I have a hard time with that. You're sowing. You're sowing. You've just taken it away from him. And now you're going to sow. That doesn't work for me. That's not what my life looks like. Things have always been tough and rough for me. Things have always been, I'm sowing. Stop. Stop. Die. Because you know what? When we allow him to birth on the inside of us, my God shall supply all of my needs. And that's established on the inside of me. When I face challenges and I face things that are in opposition to me, when I face need, am I facing it from the perspective of it'll be provided? Or am I facing it from the perspective of I hope something happens? Who we are is so important. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. What he's saying is, he's not talking about the new birth. Because I don't know if you've realized that everybody who's born again isn't overcoming the world. We have the potential. But we're not. So what he's saying is, everyone who is born of God, everyone who's living in intimacy of relationship with the spirit of Christ on the inside of me, everyone is living in that space where they recognize the fact that who they are, what they're about, and who they are becoming is grounded and rooted in their heart. And they're living in an exclusive relationship between him and me, and I'm allowing that Holy Spirit to take the things of God and birth them on the inside of me becomes an overcomer, more than a conqueror. What our life is going to look like in the future and what it's going to be determined by, in large part, is taking place right now. The seeds of it are happening in our lives right now. I'll, I'll carry on with this next week. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get down to the essentials of what it means to have a relationship with God and in a meaningful way give you some practical, give you a, a practical roadmap as to how to walk in it. You are a mind. That's the essence of your spirit being. It gives definition to who you are, your personality, your unique character traits. It's defining all of those things. It's called the soil of our heart. We were created in a space where what seeds our heart is designed to germinate and designed for its nature to grow 
God's looking for an exclusive relationship with us. What he's saying is, live in a place where every time you come in contact with an idea, a thought, a challenge, come to me and say, what is your thought on it? I know the modern world doesn't like this, but with respect, what we feel is quite irrelevant in God's economy. It's kind of like what we think. Very often what we think and what we feel is so limited that if we allow that to seed who we are, we put ourselves in a, in a backward position. God's like, you've got to trust me. Just trust me in that space. And it may not feel right to you. It may not look right. It doesn't matter. You may sit and look at some of those truths and sit and say, I don't know how I can experience that. That's not your job. Your job is to allow the Holy Spirit to birth that on the inside of you. And so you, you work in, in, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit as he takes the things of the nature of Christ and he births them on the inside of you and they begin to redefine you. It becomes the substance, the substrata, the foundation to a new way of living. I live by faith. The truth and the nature of who God is established on the inside of me. It affects my identity long before it affects the fruit of my life. So your homework this week is to stop and die. Stop and die. Stop and die. And there's something, it's like, isn't it when you, when, you, when you catch on fire, drop and roll or something? Yeah, well, that's three. It doesn't count. These, you see, this is easier. You just have to stop and die. <laughs> three steps I can't remember, two I can. Become overtly aware of what's coming out of your mouth. Because what's coming out of from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's telling you what's in there. And if there's a bad harvest in there, get rid of it. Go to the Holy Spirit. Sit and say to him, take the, um, what's a killer, Rita, that kills the plants? What's it? Roundup. roundup. <laughs> you need some spiritual roundup. Let him use some spiritual roundup in that place. And then let him seed it. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. You may not know it, but his spirit is revealed to us. As you live in relationship with him, he's going to take the things of God and he's going to reveal it to you and it's going to surprise you. It's an exciting journey, but I can tell you now it's going to be a little bit of a rough ride. And the reason I say that is because if you, if you see yourself as helpless and God's introducing you to being victorious, you've got to make that transition. And so you have to be at a place where you're prepared to stop and die to let him do that in you. Because otherwise you'll never walk into it. When you first look at that, it's going to be like, that's not me. He knows it's not you. He's not asking you to be you. He's letting, he's sitting saying, will you let me birth Christ in you? If you're guilty and you're full of condemnation, He's sitting saying, can you let me make you feel righteous? Yes. Will you let me do it? That's good. Initially, you're going to be like, I can't do that. You do. We argue with God. Yeah. 
We argue with him to seed. And he's like, stop and die. Just let me do it. Okay. Father, I just want to thank you for every person seated here, everybody watching, even the beach people. I want to thank you that he who began a good work in us is going to be faithful to fulfill it. I want to thank you, Father, that we haven't even begun to understand or comprehend who you've designed us to be. But I want to thank you that as we build meaningful relationship with you, as we allow you to seed our heart, you'll begin to change who we are. I want to thank you that as we begin to line up with who you are, as the nature of Christ is birthed on the inside of us, I want to thank you, Father, that we become a true expression of who you are. I want to thank you that we get to experience you. We get to experience your life. We get to experience your abundance. We get to experience your fullness and your peace and every part of who you are. I thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'll just shake every person, make them overtly aware of the fact that I am home. I'm inside of you. If you will just give me a moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me, can I just leave you with one thought? I've given you the roadmap, okay? But walk it. It's kind of like if you get excited because you, you hit January 1st and you, you're excited about going to the gym and changing your diet. The thing is, if I don't do it, it doesn't work. So I want you to do it. Do it this week. Be practical about it. Stop and die. Stop and die. <laughs>